We are in part 19 of our Connecting to Church series. We've been going through the book of Ephesians, and I entitled today's message, Equal Surrender of Rights. Equal Surrender of Rights. We all talk about equal rights, so we're going to talk about an equal surrender of rights as Christians. Now, as we've been going through this Connecting to Church series, what it has been primarily about is aligning our lives to become the church that God designed us to be. Because God wants a certain thing to happen here on the planet, and he's going to use his church to do that. That is you and I. So we need to adjust our lives to line up with what he wants so that we might be the people he built us to be. Amen? That's what we are here for. So I want to balance some concepts out with you, and I'm going to draw your attention. If you are following on the app, there's a fill in the blank. I'm going to give that to you in one moment. If you take notes, you might want to jot some of these things down. But let's begin with this thought. I am very thankful to be in the Western world. There are some beautiful things. I've done travel in the Eastern world, and there are some incredible, beautiful things about that. I happen to love living in America. That's where I was born and raised, so that's very familiar to me, even though there are brilliant, beautiful nations all across our planet. But when you come from a modern, Western, American viewpoint, there are some good things and some challenging things that you get. Now, one of those is that I love the concept of strength and empowerment. I have been raised up in the many decades I've been alive under this idea that I can be anything I want to be. That I, you know, if I want a burger, I can have it my way. You know what I'm talking about? Like, if I can go through, I can get it quickly. And if I don't want to go anywhere, they will door dash it to me. You understand? Because it is primarily about me. And so I love the idea that I've been taught that, you know what, the sky's the limit. If you put in the hard work and you, you can kind of compete with everybody else and kind of be the best version of yourself, I, I love that. But there's a shadow side to all that, yeah? I mean, not all of that is good. Because if everyone, as we've been taught, are all independent, autonomous, rebellious, self-obsessed leaders, who's following Jesus? You tracking with me? It creates this idea that it's all centered around us, that we don't have to answer to anybody because really we're the ones that make all the decisions. Everything should curtail to us. Everything should be designed for us. But that is not true. This entire world, this entire reality is designed to be centered around God. He's the primary player in all of this, amen? We are side characters. So here's what's interesting. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, humbled himself, came down, entered into weak, messy humanity in order to serve his people, die a humiliating death on the cross to rescue us from our sins that we did on purpose. How crazy is that, right? If our king did that, What ought we to do? Does that make sense? To be a Christian is to mimic Christ's attitude and his lifestyle. The fill in the blank on that app in front of you or on your page is this. A church of servants thrives. A church of servants thrives. A church of autonomous, independent, and selfish people is weak and impotent and will eventually die. 
because our king set an example for us to follow on how to do this successfully. And if we are all in charge and he's not in charge, our reality breaks apart. Yeah? All right. So let's go ahead and dive into the passage that we have for today. I'm going to read uh, the whole piece just for context. We're only going to do one line, one line, one verse today. But would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 21? Ephesians chapter 5, 18 through 21. Now these should all sound familiar if you've been following along with us for the last number of weeks. It sounds something like this. We're just going to focus in at the end on verse 21, all right? It says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and here's the key, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You see, if you look back through the grammar of that, that's all one sentence. It says you need to be filled with the Spirit, and if you're filled with the Spirit, all this other stuff should be the natural outpouring of your life. Right? If you have him in the right place, all the other stuff just comes into alignment. So how are we doing with submitting our rights, submitting our freedoms, submitting to one another. How are we at being servants like our King Jesus was for us? Mm. That's the lesson that we have for us today, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Here's really the question that is being asked. How do we cultivate a life that appreciates the beauty and power that God built into us without making it all about us, yeah? How do we get into the mindset to honor the Lord and carry out his will in all things? How do we live a life of glory to God? That's really what I'm trying to ask. Because once again, and I'm gonna remind you at the end about this, you are glorious, you have the power and authority that God has given you. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit. You are extraordinary stewards of this world. You have your sins forgiven, past, present, and future. You are living in a perpetual state of grace as a child of God. You are amazing. And it's not about you. Right? How do we balance those things out? I mean, can't we be amazing and it still not be about us? Can't we still give God the glory that he did a great work in us and still not think that everything revolves around us? That's the mindset of a Christian. Well, the only way we can submit to one another out of reverence for God is to have reverence for God. Yeah? Did you notice that? Because if he's not your master, you're not going to do what he says. So let's talk about what reverence means. Reverence is kind of the word that is in between respect and terror, right? Because the word in Greek for reverence is phobos. What does that sound like? Phobia. What do we think phobia? It's fear. So when you talk about the fear of God, it's this word. 
And it literally means to be in awe or to be in stunned silence because of your extraordinary respect and honor for the one standing before you. Do you have that for God? Do you think that God is a big deal? Does your lifestyle reflect a deep sense of respect or a casual awareness? You following me? Because we could say, oh man, I, you know, I, I know God's everywhere. Man, when I'm sinning, I get a little awkward because I know he can see me. And you know, I kind of know he's around. That's very different than a Jesus is in the house. I gotta hit the ground. You understand what I mean? Does your life demonstrate that God is a big deal to you? Christ is the one we serve, so let's talk about him. He is the supreme authority. The Bible says that he is the king of kings, lord of lords, the name that is above every name. That's pretty impressive, yeah? yeah. Well, let's just let some of that soak up in us. Just listen to this. Colossians 1.15 says this. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Christians, what does all mean in Greek? All, oh, praise the Lord. He is the very power holding our reality together. That's why when you take him out of the mix, everything gets slippery and everything starts to go to chaos. He is the very center point, the very cornerstone of who we are and where we live. But he is also the one that we mimic. We not only worship him, we copy him. Yeah? I mean, isn't that what a Christian means? to be that copycat, to be that mimic. Philippians 2, 3, listen to this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be hung on to, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's our example if the king of creation can wash his disciples' feet, what are we tripping about? Does that make sense? Like, what do we got? Like, who do you think you are that you can't, what, serve someone next to you? Well, I'm kind of a big deal. Are you really? I don't think so. You're not God, and God did it. So we get really caught up into believing that we ourselves are God and that everything should serve us. That is incorrect. We might be sitting in his chair. So Paul said in order for us to demonstrate our respect and reverence for God, we need to submit to one another. Now you want to rattle an American room? Talk about submitting. Man, that is not a word we're cool with, yeah? 
I mean, it's this idea that somebody else has authority over us and they tell us what to do and we think it's a terrible idea and yet we still have to do it? Like, what is that all about? That's very anti-American. We were born to lead, right? Nobody can tell us what to do. Hmm. You see, Paul the Apostle thought this concept was so important, he uses the term submit 23 times in his letters. Now, there are really important concepts that he only uses one, two, or three times. 23? What's the point? The point is, if we don't have this right, there's something wrong with our root. If we don't get this right, we can't love as we ought. If we don't get this right, we are not the Christians that we say that we are. If we don't get this right, the church doesn't work. So he talks about it over and over and over because he said everything that goes on vertically with God should impact what is going on horizontally with one another. And when we're in the church, we've got to operate on a mutual submitting concept. So what in the world is submitting? Submitting is the opposite of getting your own way. Right? I mean, isn't that kind of when we're younger, little toddlers, and we fight with each other? I want that toy. It was mine first, and you get your own way. At some point, we were supposed to have grown out of that. (laughs) And yet, we're still doing that 40, 50, 60 years old, right? It is giving up your way for the sake of someone else. Now, the most useful thing, it's very hard for me to sit down, (laughs) the most useful thing that I have ever found to understand the concept of submitting is the idea of the military. Because the term submit is a military concept that you've been outranked and therefore you need to do what they tell you to do whether or not you like it. The idea of being outranked is a little odd for civilians. Real quick, show of hands. How many of you have any connections to the military? Raise your hand. Anybody got a connection to the military? All right. Now, for those of you that are, have connections, this makes a little bit more sense to you because it's a world you're familiar with. Now, to the rest of us, it seems very odd that someone else would have that type of authority because here's what's intriguing about the ranking system in the military. The person that outranks you may not be as smart as you, may not have as experienced as you, may not be as fast as you, may not be as strong as you, and they outrank you and you still salute them. That's wild. Because we try to have everything in our society based on merit. I will obey you if you have this. But what's intriguing is that the outranking concept means you submit under someone even if you're better than that person because they have a higher rank for whatever reason, right? And what's intriguing about that is rank tends to mean responsibility. Because if anyone's gonna get in trouble in the field, it's going to be the highest ranking officer in the field, regardless of who did it wrong. So we say with rank comes privilege and perk, but with rank comes what? Responsibility. Interesting. All right, so I'm gonna start stacking some concepts for you. If you write down notes and stuff, you might jot a couple of these things down because one's gonna build on the other and I'm gonna hold them all out there and at the end, hopefully it transforms your worldview, right? Because I think we can all get this down. Here we go. Think about it. Submitting works through the concepts of role and function. Role and function. Now, here's what's super important. This is when everyone starts saying, well, aren't we all equal? 
Role and function has nothing to do with equality. It has to do with diversity. We are all different, but yet we are equal. If everyone, this is the other thing, is we get really pumped about the concept of democracy. I have the same opinion as you do and everybody's opinion is equal. Hold up. If everyone's opinion is submitted equally at the exact same time, you have chaos. You can't get anything done because it's not about the equality of the opinion. It's about the timing and the accomplishment of what we're trying to do. So if everyone has an opinion, it's not that everyone's opinion is wrong or invalidated. It's that we have competing visions and everyone's pulling in different ways. So in order to be effective, in order to have an organism or an organization move forward, you have to have structure and someone has to be the point person, right? Aha. That's where we talk about the difference between equality and equity. Equity means everything's the same. Equality means value is the same. All right? So listen very carefully because you got to burn these into your mind. These are basics. The Bible firmly points out there is no difference in equality of people. If you got any of that left in your spirit, you got to get that burned right out of you. Right? There is no one person more important or more valuable than another in the eyes of God. There are just people. That's how it works. All human beings are created equal. In the same breath, the Bible is clear that not all people are the same and God does not work the same with everybody in the same way. So a biblical view holds up both equality and diversity at the same time. You guys following me? They are not mutually exclusive. They're the same, same, right? Equality, value, diversity, we're different. All right, cool. So in order for that to work, the different pieces of an organism or an organization, we have to have order, which creates authority. Authority is simply a structure to get stuff done. That's it. Many times we blame authority for everything wrong in our lives. And yes, leadership should be held accountable for how things are, right? But don't say that authority is bad. Authority is not bad. Authority is good and right. God institutes authority. He puts people in charge. And since he's the one that set them up, then obeying those authorities is obeying God, right? Just go up the channel. What's the chain of command? You're ultimately going to end at God. And you're like, well, I think that this leader's lame and I'm not gonna obey him. But they were instituted by God. That's an issue. There is no healthy authority system without healthy submission, which is why we're talking about it. Let me give you God's opinion on authorities. And I'm talking about earthly authorities, Right, So I want you to kind of picture any authority in this world that you don't happen to care for. Right, <laughs> Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. 
pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Boy, it's a good thing he's not talking about today. Good thing he's talking about Narnia, right? You better not be talking about California, right? So Jesus comes in and he sets this example and he takes his leadership structure and says, guys, listen, how the world handles things is one way. They kind of have this top-down approach and then whoever's in charge kind of lords it over people and they take advantage of it and stuff. Listen, when we're talking about the church, my body, yeah, we're not doing that. That is not how we as a family operate. There should be a dramatic difference of leadership in the church versus outside the church. You can't change everything outside the church, but in the church, this is where it should be here on earth as it is in heaven, right? So we should have a different view. Jesus turned the leadership structure upside down and started talking about servant leadership. He started saying stuff like this. The higher your rank, the greater you serve. Oh, that's interesting. Wait, what? Church equals service. So the higher your title is in the church, the more you care for other people. That's your job. Hmm. So there needs to be this this incredibly cool symbiotic relationship between authority and submitting, between leaders and followers. For example, the way that Jesus designed it is that the authority casts the vision, the others carry out the vision, and then the authority uses their authority to meet the needs of everyone they're leading. So everyone's needs are met and the whole advances forward. Does that make sense? And this is where you kind of go, okay, pastor, I get it. Theoretically, I get it. What does this have to do with me? Everything. Why? Because Paul the apostle in the next passage that you're going to study next week is gonna lay out three areas in church life where this has to play or we're gonna have serious problems. You know what those are? Marriage, husbands and wives, family life, parents and children, work life, bosses and employees. Every aspect of your life as a Christian has this premise running through the middle of it. We gotta get this right. So let's dig in a little bit further. Here we go. Role, remember I told you role and function. Role has nothing to do with equality. It has to do with each part playing its part so the whole thing can work, right? So let's take, for example, I don't know, I'll just make up an analogy. Your knees messed up. (laughs) Just came to me. I don't know where it came from. Okay, so here I am, Mr. Gimpy McGee, walking around with my little crutch, right, because my knee's messed up. Now, it does not mean that my knee is more important than my elbow, or my elbow is more important than my knee, but when my knee went out, the whole body shut down. I've been watching a lot of Netflix. You understand what I'm saying? Like, and you know that. If you've ever had back problems, if your back goes out, suddenly everything shuts down. Have you ever had a, t- a, a toothache? 
a little tiny piece of your body all of a sudden radiates a devilish pain up into your skull and you can't even think anymore. (laughs) It's not talking about equality. It's saying that all the parts have to work together if we're gonna get anything done. And because we are diverse and different, we all have different parts to play, right? I mean, the body of Christ, that whole concept, all right. So why do we have such a hard time playing our role when our role is not making the decisions? Well, I'll tell you right now, although pride is a big problem, there's a bigger one. Anybody know what the biggest problem is? Fear. Why? Because... What happens if you give deference to another person and they use that allowance or authority to make stupid decisions? What if they hurt you? What if they're not worthy of your respect because they're just bad people? What if they're dangerous? How in the world are you supposed to follow an authority or someone playing that outrank role if they're not respectable? What happens there? I mean, isn't that, doesn't it make you a little nervous? Okay, the Bible hits it head on, and this is gonna be pretty convicting to some of us. It uses an analogy of a marriage in the Bible. You know who that marriage was? Abraham and Sarah. Abraham, father of the Jewish people, known in the hall of faith as being a man of extraordinary faith. He was a lousy husband. You guys know that story? Well, let me tell you. His wife was super hot. Literally. Not like literally, but literally. Anyway, it's not important right now. Sarah was so attractive that when they went into a place, Abraham said, I need you to pretend like you're my sister so they don't kill me and steal you. Oh, thanks, genius. And she got taken by other people because she followed along with a dumb plan. Then, years later, she's super hot at 75. And it happens all over again. And he lies again and puts her whole life in jeopardy. And the Bible said she called him her master and did what he said. And she was shown as strong, mighty, and powerful. You know what he was known for? Embarrassment. Because here's, and this is going to be the most convicting for many of us. I want you to think about an authority you're struggling with right now. Could be in the marriage area. It could be in a situation with children and parents. It could be at your workplace. Could be with government stuff, right? I'm going to give you a line and it's gonna convict you to the core. Are you ready? Here we go, write this down. There are some things more important than efficiency. There are some things more important than efficiency. You're like, I don't really get it. All right, let's talk about it. Why do we argue with authority? Almost always, it's because we know better, right? 
And our big problem with the authority is that we're like, no, 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 don't do it that way. Do it like this. You're just making stupid decisions. And when you keep making stupid decisions, everything is getting messed up. If you would just listen to me and do it my way, it would all iron out and we could be more efficient. It doesn't have to be this bad. You don't have to make this many poor decisions. You can just listen to me and everything would be right. And so we rebel. Because we want the outcome to be right. But what if there's something more important than the outcome? What if along the way you gave up the greater to get the lesser? You're like, what are you talking about? All right, here we go. I'll give you four examples. Here you go. Talking behind your boss's back to let the whole company know that your idea was way better than their idea and that the company would be way better off listening to you than that moron. You're right. Now we all think that you have the best ideas and God just marked you down. You're right. You're impressive to us and God was disappointed. Let's use another example. Speaking bad about your spouse to everybody else in your family, everyone other your friends, so that people think that you're the good part of the marriage and the other part's the crummy part. You're right, you won us over and we actually, if you guys end up having a problem in your relationship, we're gonna side with you. Unfortunately, the whole time, God knows exactly what you just did and you lost respect. You got the immediate and lost the bigger piece. Let's use another example. You were gossiping about that person in church and you let everyone know what they're really like behind closed doors so that you feel superior to them. And you know what? You're right. You cleared things up. I think that person's a psycho and I don't want anything to do with them. And now, you know what? I'm probably more gonna lean towards you. Good for you. God watched the entire time. Because it wasn't about the outcome. It was the process that mattered more. Last one. You fight your teachers about every little thing and you won't learn from them because they have a poor method of teaching or a bad method of communication. You're right. You can fight your teachers all the time, talk about how poor they are at their skills and still you've learned nothing. Hmm. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, because whose opinion are we really trying to win over? Are we not held accountable to our Lord and not to our neighbor? You understand what I'm saying? So as much as we're always trying to make things work out for us and work out for the best and work out for society, are we not primarily Christians? And are we not then held accountable to the Lord that he said, listen, while I was in the process of removing that authority, you embarrassed me the entire time. Of course I was trying to get rid of them. I know they're a terrible leader. I was working on it. But no, you won't trust me in that. You gotta step in and what, make it yourself? Okay, great, here's what I learned. They're a bad leader and you're a terrible follower. Ah, See, the idea of mutually submitting to one another is actually about teamwork. 
It's actually about the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's also about fulfilling the great commission, go into all the world making disciples of all nations, what, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you. This is teamwork. We're all different, but we're mutually submitting for the greater focus and the greater good so we can build the kingdom of God and bring glory to him. That's what we do. So I got four challenges for you this week. And I'm talking about Monday through Friday. You might fall off the bandwagon on Saturday or something like that, right? So here's the deal. I want you to write these down. There's four things I want you to do this week. Four things. Here we go. These are challenges of mutually submitting to one another. Number one, write down honor and respect. Honor and respect. Instead of waiting for people to earn your respect, bring it first. Give people respect before they earn it. Now, I gotta, I gotta give, you, uh, give props to somebody that I know. You guys all know Bishop Parnell Lovelace, yeah. right? So he came into this church, and one of the first things I watched him do, we would walk into the sanctuary together, and he would see one of the church mothers. And I, was, I didn't even know what a church mother was. And it was an older woman in the congregation that he would stop what he was doing and minister to her and make sure she had everything she needed. And we would walk down the aisleway and anytime he came in contact with a church mother, meaning someone that we rely on for their prayers, for their stability, for their wisdom, whenever we would come into contact with any of those ladies, whether he knew them well or not, he would say, hi mom, how you doing? And he gave them a respect and an honor before they earned it. He created a culture of honor in this church that I will continue, right? Because that's who we are. Number two challenge, write down this, deference of opinion, deference of opinion. In, uh, learning from other people and not demanding our own opinion instead of making sure everyone in every conversation knows your point. How about going into the conversation to listen and learn? Go in to listen and learn. And here's why. And this is, uh, you might want to write this down. This will drive the point home. You ready? Because God speaks through donkeys. <laughs> right? If you want to go back and learn the story of Balaam and his donkey, you realize that only an arrogant man won't listen to a donkey who God is speaking through. The Bible says, through the mouth of babes will they proclaim my praise. If you won't listen to the young, you just miss the voice of God. If you will not listen to women, you're gonna miss the voice of God. If you do not listen to the old, you're gonna miss the voice of God. And yes, if you don't listen to donkeys, you might miss the voice of God. Number three, write this down. Remember, it's only Monday through Friday. You can totally disrespect people on Saturday. That's not true. All right, here we go. Number three, attention and care. Attention and care. Instead of thinking about your problems today, walk into a room and look for theirs. Instead of thinking about your problems, by the way, as long as you're thinking about your problems, they never go away. There's always more. Because if you look deep enough, you actually have more concerns than you thought before. Because I'll tell you right now, right now, my knee and my hip are so loud, I can't even realize my back is messed up. 
But once these heal, then I can feel this pain. See, the idea is that when one heals, you find out another one. And then when that one heals, you find out another one. If you spend all your time looking inwardly, you're depressed. How about we walk into a room and say, does anybody else have any needs? How do I fix their life? Number four is similar. Write down this word, service. Service. Instead of waiting to be waited on, find out who you can wait on and leave that room better than you walked in, right? When you go walking in to an appointment, let's say it's a doctor's appointment, and you're waiting for them to call your name and call you ma'am or call you sir, and you get bothered every time somebody doesn't quickly jump to that, how about you walk into the room and you look at that receptionist who has dealt with people that were formerly like you all day long, and you said, how do I make her day or his day? Because you know what? They've had frustration over and over and over again. How about I turn that day around because I'm a Christian? Amen? Amen. I'm just gonna close this with prayer. How beautiful it was to spend some time with you. I love having you here, right? I'm smiling all the time, right? Right? Still hurts. But I'm smiling all the time, staring at you. All right, here we go. Let me just pray a blessing over you and we'll get out of here. Heavenly Father, you are glorious and mighty and wonderful and we rightfully give you back your throne in our lives and we ask that you would be glorified. Glorify yourself. Move through us and as we go out into this week, Lord, seeking to put others before ourselves, trying to follow you and mimic your washing of the disciples' feet as the King of Kings, Lord, would you bring it to mind, remind us once again, again, that yes, we are beautiful and glorious and wonderful because you made us, but it's not about us, it's about you and about everybody else. So Lord, would you give us a passion to love on other people actively, purposefully, each and every day. Lord, would you begin to heal our hurts as we heal those of other people? That even right now, whatever is that burden on our spirit, as we begin to serve and love on other people, would you just lighten it? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.